0: And now we're going to open our Bibles. I'm going to pray. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Um, I have got multiple signs with me that I'm sure I will use uh, as my hands are full this morning. But Father, I pray that you speak. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. There is no one like you, Jesus. And we gather in faith, but we also gather in gratitude and thanks because you are good. And Father, we want to reflect today that because of you, we can rejoice always. We can give thanks in all circumstances. We can pray continually because we get a relationship with you, Father, because of your son, Jesus. We thank you. And everybody who agreed said, amen, amen. It is like fire in here every week. So I think it's because more and more people are coming, uh, which is great. So feel free to use those fans. Just no fainting. Uh, That's the rule. Um, But if you do faint, Jordan is in the back. He's on first aid today. Uh, So see him. Uh, So 1 Thessalonians, I want to uh, have a look at that today. We're going to go to chapter 5. There's a little portion at the very end of that that we're going to lean into today. Now what's happening with 1 Thessalonians is that we know that Paul was a great missionary. He was an incredible missionary. He'd go and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we all know that what would happen in the New Testament is that whenever he would go to a new region proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, those that were religiously in power amongst the Jews began to get annoyed with him. He, he would be so fruitful that what would happen is they would have to run him out of town. Now, in the case of 1 Thessalonians, uh, that's happened again. So Paul has been run out of town because there is super fruitful ministry happening. So he's got his two buddies with him. He's got Silas. He's got Timothy. He goes off to Corinth. He sends Silas in a direction. He sends Timothy back to the Thessalonian people. So he's there. And a short time later, he returns to Paul. They meet up in Macedonia while Paul is with the Corinthians. Now, when you're looking at the Thessalonian people, there's complexity that's going on. Uh, we know because of archeo- archaeological findings that there's heaps of little statues and little Greco-Roman gods. So the actual culture that was there was spiritually uh, pluralistic. They, they had a heap of different gods. And we see actually in one of the slides, if you want to go to the next slide, uh, that they begin uh, to turn to Jesus. And one of the reports that Timothy brings back As it says, For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols, those Greco-Roman gods, the little g, to serve the living and true God. So there's incredible stuff happening within their community. Now, we know in 1 Thessalonians that Paul brings back a, a mostly positive report. Hey, they're going really well. They're responding like this. They're turning to Jesus. However, he does bring... Paul, some concerns. He says, you know, mostly good, but there are a few things that I'm worried about. He goes, one, they're questioning your validity as an apostle uh, and, and your message. There's some people that are trying to cause trouble around that. That's one of the issues. The second issue that he brings to Paul is he says, they're Christians. They're following Jesus and they're actually under quite a bit of persecution. They're having a hard time. And that's a concern to Paul. They also bring to Paul that there are some people that are worried about what's happening to the people that have died when Jesus comes and the resurrection comes. And they're worried about that. And Paul obviously begins to educate that the resurrection uh, is, is not only for the living, but it's for the dead. And then the final one uh, that Timothy brings to him is, it's a pretty immoral society and they're going to need some coaching and some teaching around living a moral and righteous life. So 1 Thessalonians, this is why Paul wrote the letter, for those reasons. So he writes the letter to them addressing all of those things. And we land now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, where we get this absolute gem of leadership. It's loving, it's encouraging, but it's actually about the Christian community when they gather, and the Christian community when they gather to worship God. And he actually sets the kingdom culture around what they should be doing. Now, really what Paul is saying to them is you've actually, you've got to live an opposite cultural life to what's going on around you. Have you ever been surprised by somebody who has, who has acted in the opposite way to what you expect them to? Uh, has anybody ever had that? I remember when the first Hope Tour had finished. Now, listen, we are an open and transparent church, so I'm just going to let you know that as your pastor, I am not perfect. Can I wave a little thing, please? Wave that around. Wave, give that a good wave. So would you believe? Now, I'm not blaming you people. It happened during the week. I say you people, my family. That sounds you people. So negative. You people. But the you people was obviously somebody during the week using the conference center. They opened their door into my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever went, was that Bronwyn, stay in the front row more often. You are the best. That's how I felt. I was like cheesed. Do you know why I'm cheesed? Because I want to sell the car and now I've got to deal with an issue. So I was annoyed. And I was thinking, man, if I had seen that person from my office, I would have wound open my window just that little bit and I would have yelled at them. But I thought back to the time that Hope Tour had just finished. Don't know if Gene and John Tom are here today. I love you both. And as we were backing out of the Sunday, and I was emotional, and I was talking to April, and I was thanking the Lord, I backed right into their car. Don't wave any amens at that. Put the sign down. Oh, that's no, a crying sign. I appreciate the crying. I appreciate the crying. I see that. I see that. That's laughing. Their laugh is at a laughing sign. Clarity, the tears are tears of joy. But you can make them whatever tears you want to make them. I felt empathy. And I remember getting out of the car, and I remember the opposite reception from John and Jean. It was like they, it was like, "Hey, you're tired. Be encouraged. Don't worry about the car. You're fine." I actually was like, "Man, I needed that. If I had realised that was coming, I would have backed into the car way earlier." You know, uh, it was incredibly encouraging. It was the opposite to what you would expect to go down in our society. I remember six or seven years ago, uh, it would have been more than that, eight years ago when we finally purchased the land here and we were celebrating it and we had just told the church and we had shown them designs and we were so excited. And then the next week, Pastor Nick comes into my office and he sits down and he says, there's a covenant on this land for no place of worship. That can't even be challenged. At the, Supreme, uh, at the local council, that has to go to the Supreme Court. You all know our journey. We, we, we got the covenant lifted at the Supreme Court. But in that moment, I was so flat. I still remember going, oh, what does that mean? Is that a waste of money? Are we going to be homeless for longer? You know, we refer to the Mill Park days as the Mill Park days because they were a time. And I was like, what does that mean? And I remember Pastor Nick saying, there's one thing we need to hold on to. And I was like, yeah. What's that one thing we need to hold on to? And he said, gratitude. He said, we're grateful and I'm grateful and we need to remain grateful as a people we're even in this position. It was the opposite to what you would expect. Effectively, that's what Paul is saying to the Thessalonian church, he's saying you're persecuted, but have joy. People are going to give you a hard time, but love them. You may feel down and cast down, but that is not the culture that you are to live in because there is a kingdom culture when it comes to trusting in the sovereignty and the care and the goodness of God. There is a culture that we will hold as the people of God. And we won't lay that down no matter the circumstance. We need to have the opposite culture. So what happens is in writing and teaching and leading this church and this gathering of people, we land now in verse 12. So why do you open your Bibles? And if you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. But I want to encourage you, get out your phones, bring a paper Bible um, and do it. But before I read, uh, I would love uh, at some point in the next few weeks Uh, We've officially named the Flannery Room, Mama Marie. So the sign went up this week. So why don't we thank the Lord for Mama Marie and Dale? Come on, we can do better than that. Woo! That's good. Hey, if you run into Justin Hooper, you encourage that man. He is a great leader and it is a massive faith step. I remember the other week we were in a cafe and he just began to talk about how grateful he is that, that the Lord has called him. Uh, into ministry. I may have shared this the other week and it turns out we've employed another emotional Italian because he started getting all quivery lip and eyes and we were having a moment. It was incredible, but encourage him. It's a big role. It's an important role. You know, we average a lot of kids. I was going to say, I don't know the average. Jordy's not in the front row, but it's between 60 and 100 young kids. It's incredible, you know, and this is a guy that just wants to see them love Jesus. I'm going to talk about that now. So it says in verse 12, we ask you, brothers and sisters, he's asking, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Now, a kingdom culture Paul is talking about is actually honoring leadership. And I think our church does that really well, but we need to continue to talk about it. But what I see here in the scripture is something that's important. Our value should be this. We don't honor because of title. It says there in the scripture, in verse 13, because of their work. We have people throughout this church, not just myself, not just the staff, connect group leaders, youth leaders, that are praying to see people fall more in love with Jesus every day. They toil and they prepare and they seek God. And because of that work and that desire to see us grow, to be more in love with Jesus, honor should follow every time. And when I thought about that, I really began to seek the Lord and I I, I felt there in my spirit the understanding that, that honor should be part of our culture. Hey, Honor should be part of our culture. So I want you to get these ready. Because there's a few things. There is a gentleman in this church that I don't just want to honour him because he serves Uni Hill Church well. But I actually want to honour him because he serves Jesus well. Now, this gentleman is Keith. But let me share a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's honour Keith. I don't know where he is. He'll be around. There he is. Keith doesn't want to be known as the hub Keith, by the way. So I'm making that association to break that association down. This is just Keith. Because we all should be helping people belong. Showed me this little card he got this morning. I won't use names. um, But he runs a connect group. He runs two connect groups. And it's an adult connect group. But this was received from part of his uh, connect group membership uh, by the age of nine years old. What a beautiful, lovely card. This is coming from a child. And it says, two key. Your small group is... In bold, awesome. I can't wait until I see you again at small group. I hope you have a wonderful week. Every week and day. God bless you and your family. Now, yeah, yeah, let's clap. Tap five people around you, just hit them with it. Hit them good. Now don't do that. I can't believe you did this, and thank you for being all in. That was hilarious. There's just some people I've been waiting for this moment for years. But isn't that isn't that interesting that a nine-year-old carries an incredible culture of honour? Keith runs the Connect Group. He toils and works hard because of the work honour should follow. And what's happening is there is a child and a family in our community that understands that honour and encouragement is important. That should be the culture. When you come here, I want to encourage you to be looking for people to encourage. I don't want that. If you come here and you go home flatter, change the section you sit in. Find some people. That encourage you in your faith journey. Remember, as it goes on to say in the scripture, uh, which is interesting, live at peace with one another. He's referring to the fact that we should all get along leadership and under everyone together. We should be honoring because we know the whole concept of leadership when it comes to Jesus is that a true leader leads from behind, encourages and releases people. Who are you doing that to in your world? If you are waiting for people to ask you how you're going, get in front of them with an encouragement. So I want to ask Tara to quickly come up. Um, Taran, I'm not even sure if the person is here. Not here today, but doesn't matter. Bring her, bring, come up anyway. And there's a lot of people now these days. So uh, if she's not here, we'll send her the YouTube. Uh, but we want to honour someone. Get ready, everyone get ready. Everyone get ready. You don't even know what it is. We're going to be like, we want to honour the, the, the homeless cat. And you're like, oh. No, no, no,
1: Awesome. Um, so because I now have the microphone and the camera after this, if it's cool, pastor, I'd love to take a huge family church photo with all of us holding our signs. Is that cool? Awesome. Can you, I'm cool. just going to, the side. correct. If you do not want to be in that photo, which may end up on social media, you may move to the side. Um, so I want to honor someone in our community this morning. Her name is Nola Kluchkovsky. Um, She, I don't know, is she in the house this morning? Nola, where are you? You are here. Do you want to stand? We want to honour you. We want to honour you. So Nola, uh, you may have seen her up here the other week. She graduated from Alpha, which was awesome. She also diligently brings her children to youth every single week. She serves on the coffee team. And recently she actually invited me to a theatre show. And I don't know if she was just like saying this flippantly and being like, oh yeah, you know, God told me to invite you. But isn't that an amazing thing to do? Can't we be more like Nola in that regard? Did God tell you to do something? Go do it. You know, how awesome is that characteristic? So we just want to honor you. Thank you personally from me and us as a community because you're awesome in this kingdom of God.
0: Come on, let's thank the Lord for Nola. Oh, yeah, photo, photo. Now, a plan that came on the fly. If you don't want to be in the photo, watch it get educated. Simple, simple. Works. Don't move to the side. That takes too long. Bam. If you're not happy with that, bam. Either way. All right. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Taryn. Okay, let's keep moving. So the first kingdom culture that I want to talk about is honor, okay? The second one is accountability. Accountability is important. No one actually feels comfortable with accountability, but I want it to be a part of our culture because here is the crunch line. Accountability makes you better. Accountability helps you to keep going. You know, recently, um, my brother and sister-in-law have been on a weight loss journey. It's been incredible. They've lost like between them, Upwards near 75, 80 kilos between them. Um, Have I added 10%? I've added 10%. What do you reckon it is? I added more than 10%. A lot of weight, 60, 65 uh, kilos. But what happens is they were in it together. They went on that journey together at the same time. And when one was weak, the other one held them accountable. When one was tired, the other one was able to say, hey, hang in there, get strengthened. So what's happening here is that he's gone from, we ask you. And now he's saying in verse 14, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Warn the idle. Warn them. See, in this community... In some translations, uh, it reads as the lazy. Do you know, it's very easy in our culture to get comfortable and to actually come into this place only wanting to receive. But that's not part of the culture that we are. When when you look at this context, uh, in the scripture previous in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Paul is actually giving instruction to the community about working hard practically with their hands. He's saying, hey... At this portion of time, we all know that Paul's a tent maker. That's going on during this letter at that time. He's working with his hands to be able to minister. And what he's saying is, warn those that are lazy. But also contextually, when you look at it, he's also saying those that are being spiritually idle, lazy in community. Because you know that generally if there is laziness going on, it can spread across all the areas of your life. And it actually says, warn the idle. When a car is in idle, it's not going anywhere. I remember when I was a young man, we were 21, 22. I'd served forever. I was, I was one of those guys that had uh, finished year 12. And I, I want to I say this is what you do. You join the youth team. You get involved because you start to serve and disciple and release kids and encourage and strengthen them. And then when we weren't ready, we'd been married two years, out of nowhere came Kiara Beth. She just appeared. We were not planning and she was there. So all of a sudden, I'm now a parent. And you know that when you have a kid, you're more tired than you used to be. You're more tired. Whoa. So you know what I did? I started thinking about myself, I pulled off teams. Now, I'm not saying that to young parents. There is a survival period of time. Hallelujah. Just survive. We are with you. We are in there. I don't care how long that takes. Just get through. Keep breathing. We love you. We get it. We get it. But what had happened is that season had come and gone, and we were getting great sleep, and I was full of energy, but I was also out of rhythm. So my best friend, Josh, who I grew up with, he's currently an elder at Grace Church, the church that we grew up in Geelong. He is a guy that inspires me. He's a guy that he felt called to business so that he could tithe more and above 10% to release Kingdom Ministry. And you know what? That's what he does. He's a financial consultant. He's an incredible guy. Him and his thousands of children. He's got so many kids. They just go to church every week and uh, he serves faithfully. But back 16, 17 years ago, he comes to our house. It's a Friday night and he says, hey, I'm rejoining the youth team. And I said to him, good for you. And he called me out. He called me out. He said, bro, I think you should be as well. You've gotten lazy. And guess what happened? I was so offended. I'm like, how dare you? You don't know my world. You don't know what I carry. You don't know the things that I've got to work through. Get out of my house. I didn't say that part of it. In my heart I did though. In my heart it was there. But what happened is as I pondered, As I let the Holy Spirit speak to me, I realized, you know, in Proverbs 27, when it says better a slap from your friend than a kiss from your enemy, all of a sudden I realized he had called me out. I had grown to a place where I was coming only to receive. And that's not what you do when you're part of a family. There is accountability. And that accountability in this scripture says, warn the idol. I'm going to warn you that if you keep going down the road you're on, you could end up in a place that you don't want to be. If you keep going down the road that you're on, you may grow cold in your faith because you are not serving, which is a vital component of your faith. Don't be lazy. But isn't it interesting that we all live our lives uh, and we learn to run at a pace in our society that is beyond what we should do, but yet often the priority of serving someone else falls to the bottom of the priority list. Don't be idle. Let's not be idle. Accountability. Now, I'm not saying this is license to go and start having a crack at people. Let's set some parameters. Have a relationship. Have some jolly fruit and evidence in your life that you are okay to actually say what you're saying. Because you know what I mean? It's like, hey, you're being lazy, you know. Oh, you want to do that? Nah, man, I can't be bothered with that. That's not going to work for us here. Accountability comes from a lifestyle that is honouring God and is actually something to follow. Okay, so then it rolls on. It goes on to say, now after that, encourage the disheartened. Now there's two things happening within the context of this community. The first thing, disheartened because they weren't sure about what was happening with people that had passed away. So they're like, when Jesus comes, we know that the, that the living will be with him but what happens to the dead and obviously Paul addresses that in there saying no the dead will rise first and everyone will be with Christ Um, so they were disheartened about lost ones uh, because there would have been some pretty uh, intense persecution going on but also disheartened because they're living in a pretty rough period of time disheartened in the bible in the esv version it's very interesting that it actually talks about be patient with them all because then it goes on to say help the weak which is very different warn what's that that's verbal encourage that can be verbal and practical now it's saying help the weak help the weak Now, remember, the society that they're trying to navigate is very immoral. And potentially there are people, men and women, that are struggling with immoral activity. It's not saying because their life isn't perfect, excommunicate them, kick them out. It's actually saying the opposite, practically help them. When we're in community together, there is accountability. The accountability is that we want you to not be idle, We want to help you in your struggles and we want to encourage you when you're cast down. Encouragement is incredibly important. And then it says in the ESV version, it says in the NIV, it says be patient with everyone. But actually in the ESV, it says be patient with them all. Be patient with the lazy. Be patient with the downcast. Be patient with the weak. Be patient with them all. Uh, One of the cultures of our community should be that we thrive on being resilient, loving, caring, patient people. Because from me to you, no one in this community is perfect. And we want to grow it with imperfect people that are learning to love Jesus and become more like him. But there needs to be accountability in this culture. Culture of honor. From honor flows to accountability. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but rather strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for everyone else. It's an opposite culture. It's an opposite culture. Do you know in this culture, Uh, at the time in the Roman world, it was actually legitimate and and necessary to pay back the person to socially redeem yourself. So if you'd been hurt and you'd been persecuted and that had a crack at you, it was socially acceptable for you to go, I'm going to mess that person up. I'm going to give them a hard time. I'm going to avenge them so that socially I can then be put back in the place that I need to be. Paul is addressing that very, very clearly here saying, do not do that. Love, even when the persecution is deliberate. Because it comes down to a matter of trust. You know, really, when you think about it, you want to avenge someone for your own pride. They hurt me. I want to make them pay. So you know that when you actually leave things to God, It's not a sign of weakness or avoidance. It's actually a sign of faith in your life. They hurt me, but God, you're in control. They persecuted me, but my faith in who you are is greater than my desire to see myself redeemed because I've already been redeemed. His name is Jesus. So when it comes to winning, I've already won. Paul is saying very clearly in a culture that's about payback, that is not who we are. That is not what we do. And then it gets to one of the most preached portions of Scripture that I absolutely love. It says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstance for this is the will of God or of Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus was always earmarked with Paul's writing. It comes back to Christ and because of his goodness we have the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we are able to live a life that despite everything telling us we shouldn't feel the way we do, we do because it's supernatural. Because the Holy Spirit is helping us. See here, it says rejoice always. Rejoice always. Joy is not linked to circumstance. We've been talking about this a lot recently. We need to understand That joy is not linked to circumstance, but rather it's linked to our faith and trust in the goodness of God. So we can always be joyful. We can always, because guess what? God doesn't change. He he doesn't move. But I, I really know that in my own world, my joy is so linked to when things are going well. And I have to understand that it goes beyond that. When you're not feeling well, God is still good. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to be there. Listen, church community. If people ask you how you're going, the answer can always be good and you're not phony. Because you can set a perspective. I'm sick right now, but God's still on the throne. I remember when Mark Roshine, many years back, ended up with a significant ulcer. Uh, It was a cancer. And I just remember saying to him, how are you going? And remember the faith flowing out of his heart. Why? Because he knew this was a circumstance, but that wasn't the source of where his joy comes from. His joy comes from the Lord and his trust and faith in him. Now, God redeemed his body. I remember just asking him, uh, you know, how he's going. But what I used to always glean from him, it was that faith and it was that trust and it was that joy. You can have a bad day, shouldn't affect your joy. Because what we celebrate is the goodness of God and our redemption through Jesus Christ, not our circumstance. Hey, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, no, you know, the political uh, agenda of our country is heading in a bad direction, you know, and a lot of people, you know, I agree with that. However, God is still good. He's still on the throne. My trust and my joy is still in Him relationships are in trouble, but God is still good. My finances, the cost of living, why are bananas so expensive? God is still good. Because joy, rejoice always can happen because God is always good. God is always good. Maybe in this community, when it comes to accountability, you need to remind people of that. You know, oh, you know, my knee and my hip and my headaches and, you know, and that's just my wife. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You are the greatest source of joy to me. In the, second to Jesus. Second to Jesus. You are wearing my socks. But other than that, other than that, those things come off. When you don't use notes, this is what happens. Thank you. Move on. That's what I'm going to do. Joy is linked to the goodness of our God. Amen. Then it goes on to say, pray continually. I'm going to give you an example of what that looks like. Paul, Alan, where are you? If you want to head down the front, coming down the front. Pray continually. Let, let's set the context here. Paul is not saying to the community of Thessalonians that they must permanently be on their knees, permanently have their eyes closed, and permanently be with their hands out at uh, 9 and 3 o'clock. That's not What he's referring to, he's referring to a continual awareness that God, the Holy Spirit is in your life. And as you walk, he is always with you and you can commune with him and you can talk to him and you can pray with him. We can pray continually because prayer is to do with a continuation of a relationship with a God who is always present. You know, when we commute across the Box Hill, Jordan and I are in the car. We might not talk the whole time, but we are still in community. He's still there. So did you spend time together? Yes. We were together. We didn't talk a lot. I do 90%. He does 10%. let us get it correct. You know? No, no. I do 85 He does 10 There's five of silence, you know, as we invite the Lord in, you know. And we, we, we actually do. That sounded like we didn't. We do. We want God to speak to us. But let me give you an example of what continued prayer looks like in regards to a person came into the uh, food program. And Paul had sandwiches on the mind, but God had something else at play.
2: He certainly did. You all know about the Hope Centre? It's called Hope to give people hope. And on a particular morning, we had this lady came in. I was interested in getting the food ready for her, but my co-worker, she realised that there was something wrong with this lady. So she asked her the question, are you okay? The answer to the comeback was, no, I'm not okay. No one visits me. I haven't had a hug for over three months. I need a hug. With that, my co-worker wrapped her arms around her and prayed and whispered in her ear how much she loved her. And that woman had tears running down her face. She comes every week, every week now. She's got friends in the Hope Centre that come to our community lunch. She came to the Seniors Fellowship for the first time and mixed with some of the senior generation, which was fantastic. So it's not just a food program. It's much more than the food program. It changes lives. It's changing lives out. So I praise God for that. Hey, bonus to that.
0: I got a hug during that story. You can tell a story anytime, my man. But the whole thing there, continual prayer. See... Sometimes we get caught up in the tasks. But when you are praying continually, the Holy Spirit can lean in at any moment and whisper, hey, there's something deeper going on that I want to use you to help somebody. That's a picture of continued prayer. What, what is that like in your world? Do you compartmentalize your prayer time? You know what? I'm going to set up my devotional time, which is important. And it's important to honor your appointments with God, but they don't finish with that period. Invite God into every aspect and every area of your life. As a community, this is how we should be living. And that's what Paul is saying to this group of people, saying you rejoice because your trust is in God. He's saying you pray continually because it's not just when you're here. It's when you're outside these walls and you're having a hard time. The Holy Spirit can bring comfort and bring joy and bring peace despite the circumstance. And then it goes on to say, and give thanks in all circumstances might get Dan to join me on keys. Give thanks in all circumstance for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, a great example, and I continu- we continue to pray. We continue. We pray continually. Uh, but we know that there are a few people in our community that have some significant health journeys to walk down. And I know that there is a person I can see in the middle that's uh, gone through one and was a person of faith. Uh, recently, uh, when Colin Hendry, a dear person in our community, had been diagnosed with cancer, I, I texted him because there was abundance of phone calls. I still remember reading the text. He said, look, I'm, you know, started chemo. I'm a little bit nauseated, as to be expected, a little bit of this. But in the text message, he says, but I'm so uplifted by the scriptures and the encouragement of our community that they keep sending and I feel so upheld in prayer. I couldn't believe it. Give thanks in all circumstance. We're given heaps of examples in scripture. If If you were to look at the book of Job chapter 1 verse 27. It's that famous scripture of Job said, naked I came in and naked I'll go out. God gives, he takes away. But bless the Lord. In all circumstance, give thanks. Give thanks. You know, there's a commenter called Leon Morris. and He talks about rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. He says this isn't three attitudes. He says it's three elements of the one attitude we should hold as believers. We should have the expression of all of these things in our life. And, and the more I ponder them, they, they kind of flow into one another. You know, you, you rejoice always as you commune with God. And, and then by communing with God, the Holy Spirit helps you to give thanks in all circumstances, but then brings you back to rejoicing always. There is a cycle and there is a loop, and if you miss out on one, you avoid the next step and the return. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. You know, you know, an example being, um, you know, and won't overshare, but we we had uh, somebody on um, our eldership remind me this week we hadn't had an insurance increase here for multiple years, about ten years, and then recently it had to be reevaluated. It went up a lot. So guess what, Mr. Italian Emotion, he's in, his, he's in his moment, he's in, you know, the ash and the, you know, I'm sulking. One person comes to me and goes, isn't it a blessing that we have so much property? And then I was like, "Ugh, thanks in all circumstance. Then another one comes to me and goes, isn't it amazing we really didn't have a rise for a decade? I'm like, shut up, get out of here. I'm like, why you got to be so thankful? We're going up and you're going up and I'm trying to come with you. But you know why? No matter what the world throws at us, it can't change the love we found in Jesus Christ. When I look at this scripture, this is the concept we have to understand. It's not because we know God uh, that you uh, should and, and that you have to have a cup of concrete and be joyful always and You know, be thankful always and continue to pray. It's not that. It's actually because of the Holy Spirit, we are enabled. We actually get to. So when the whole world is thinking one way, we are in the world, but we're not of the world because we know where we fix our eyes and we fix our faith. It's on Jesus. So my heart for today and for you is this is our community. This is our culture. We will be a culture of honour. We will be a culture of accountability where we warn, we strengthen, and we help. And we will be a community that remembers to rejoice always because of God's goodness, to pray continually because I want the Holy Spirit in every area of my life, and to give thanks in all circumstances because His goodness doesn't change. Remember it. So my simple application for you is go and strengthen your community. Go and love the people around you. I'm going to keep returning to this because culture leaks. You have to keep topping it up by talking about things. Encourage the people around you. Ask the Lord to give you a word of encouragement for them. Can we all stand in this moment? Right now in this place, if you feel you want to be a person, who is an encourager. I'm not making. I'm not asking for a prayer of I need encouragement. We've had enough of that. The prayer today is, God, will you use me to encourage? There's a switch because that's kingdom culture. Because of my trust in God, I can encourage in all circumstance. No matter how I feel, no matter how I see myself, no matter what I've done, I'm restored through my relationship and faith in Jesus Christ. Now I can encourage the people around you. So if you want to be an encourager, and you want God to use you in that way, would you lift your hands right now so I can pray? Father, right now, Father, right now, I pray that Holy Spirit, as we go about our week, as we go about our life, help us to be opposite to what the culture is of this world. When the culture is negative, help me to see the positive. When a person is downcast, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead me to a way that I can say, are you okay? And I can provide that hug and that prayer because I'm leaned into your Spirit. Father, help me to encourage my children. Father, help me to encourage my parents. Father, help me to encourage my siblings, my colleagues, the person that I have to pay the fuel money to, the person at the checkout. The person I walk past when I walk. Father, I pray that as I listen to you, Holy Spirit, you will help me to be a light in a dark place because I want to bring glory to your name. Father, I thank you that the church of the Thessalonians was in persecution. However, it grew. It was fruitful. It spread because despite that, it was a kingdom culture. Help us to be about your culture and your business and your kingdom agenda. Because we honour you. Because we honour you.